We are two friends trying to gain perspective on the remarkable world around us. I'm Jet Jones. I'm Mackenzie DeMaio. And this is Friends Fascinated. If you like what you hear today, don't forget to subscribe. This episode, we are going to do a deep dive into MK Ultra. It was very interesting to start researching MKUltra because I didn't know hardly anything about MKUltra before we started researching. I'd heard the name and that was literally it. I didn't know anything about what it was. Yeah, so this MKUltra was something that I had heard about uh, through my husband Dakota for a while, but I didn't think much of it. And when he told me about what he thought it was, I was like, no, that's just a conspiracy theory that Mm -hmm. isn't true because I didn't know too much about conspiracy theories even back then. And so I just kind of wrote it off as "Eh, just a theory. It sounds intriguing, but I don't know. And when you first told me about it, I was like, oh, well, that can't be real. Like there must be some, like it, it did sound more like a conspiracy theory than facts, but it's actually just really crazy facts yep. <laughs> about the history of, I mean, it's mostly in the U.S., which I don't know. It, it's interesting to, to see that and knowing it's not that long ago. Yeah. So when I first started researching it, since I didn't know literally anything, I needed to know like what it was at all. And so MKUltra was a CIA mind control program. And MKUltra was just the code name that they used in the CIA. Uh, MK was basically just an obscure way to refer to it. They didn't want it to be obvious what it was. And then Ultra was a designation of it being super secret and classified, like top secret. So uh, apparently Ultra is in other names of research they did. So that's not, not an accident. And I could never find what MK stood for, did you? No, I couldn't either. My theory is that it's mind control. <gasps> but I don't mind killer ultra or something. I don't like think that. that's true. Control but that was like the thing that I decided yeah. if it was up to me. No, that's, that's what it was. I didn't even think of that. So. so I never saw that. I just was like, well, mind control. It's, yeah. it's close. Makes sense to me. But yeah, it was intended to develop drugs and procedures to be used as interrogation tactics to weaken individuals and um, especially to get them to confess. And so basically trick them into doing things they wouldn't otherwise do. So they were trying to control people's mind and also torture them. Uh, basically like in the movies, which is really scary and sad to think about. Yeah. Um, the It had other code names as well. Some were Project Bluebird or Project Artichoke. Hmm. No idea why. So there, there are other names that it was referred to um, throughout the years. Um, but the program engaged in many illegal activities, um, primarily uh, testing drugs on people. And so this was mostly done in U.S. and Canada, and it was done on citizens that were unwilling and most of the time unknowing test subjects. So from what you're aware of, so we know they used LSD. Yes, for that these. was their most prominent. Is there anything else you heard of? Because I didn't yes. hear of anything else. Yep, they, they used a lot of things. Some of the ones were they tried heroin, they tried marijuana. Oh my like, God. Uh, basically, it, it seemed to me like all of the standard drugs that you hear about were tested oh my god yeah so it was a lot it wasn't <laughs> Jeez Louise. yeah they didn't mess around they, they tried pretty much everything but yeah they used all kinds of methods to manipulate people's mental states uh and you know try and alter their brain functioning so i when i learned that lsd was their main form of mind control tactic i wanted to do a little bit more research into it because i 
all that I knew about LSD before was like uh, people who go to EDM concerts take this <laughs> yeah, to party and maybe hallucinate. And I heard about like hippies taking it. And mm-hmm. um, it was like for fun. Yes. Like it it's like a technicolor experience of hallucinations and being free or something so i decided to dive into it a little bit because lsd is acid right those are yes. one and the same i actually it has a whole bunch of names that i <laughs> can tell know. you about <laughs> so i got this information from the american addiction centers.org and basically lsd has no accepted medical uses in the united states It's hallucinogenic, it alters perceptions and senses. It's classified as one of the most powerful psychedelic or mood-altering chemicals that is abused in America. Thanks. Yes. It's a synthetic compound manufactured in labs that is sold in tablets, capsules, liquid form, or dissolved into blotter or absorbent paper and cut into squares. It can also be called acid, blotter, windowpane, dots mellow yellow boomers or yellow sunshines whoa so if you're ever at a party and you're wondering what people are taking <laughs> and, there, and there's mellow yellow yeah it sounds like they're definitely drink- a soda yeah <laughs> some low-key soda or you know dropping oh, acid geez, that's scary because a lot of those words are things that like you wouldn't register as yep. something scary yep Ugh. so other drugs included heroin morphine cannabis alcohol and then a bunch of drugs that i couldn't pronounce the names oh of i've never heard of Ugh. So tons of stuff. That's so scary. Such a mixed bag. So LSD, the side effects, which, so this is what I was most intrigued about because I was like, you know, how could this be used as mind control when it's basically just psychedelics, which Mm -hmm. to me sounds like they're just making someone cuckoo. But anyway, so I guess it increases heart rate, blood pressure, body temperature. It distorts perception of time which that's a scary one. It heightens and changes senses, potentially making the person see sounds and hear colors (laughs) and creates detachment from reality by altering the way the brain perceives things. The side effects are ranging from short, bad trips to long-term flashbacks that can occur regularly. So with any substance abuse or substance at all, it depends on the person, depends on the quantity, depends on the dosage, but it sounds like it just depends on the person. You could have a really good trip one time and be one of the like burnout hippies that you hear about (laughs) where they're super into taking acid. just a Friday night. (laughs) Exactly. Or you could be the type of person where you take it one time and it changes whatever neuron connections you have and creates flashbacks and can really dilute your perception of reality which to me sounds a lot like schizophrenia you hear about where like it just can come on kind of in a flash and you hear things or see things differently that's kind of the first thing that I was picturing interesting I don't know enough about schizophrenia yeah I guess I don't really either I know that people hear yeah hear voices in their head or there's various things i don't really know yeah that's basically all the information i have on lsd interesting so they used it primarily as a method to manipulate people's mental states and brain functions and so that included um, secret administration of high doses of lsd primarily but other psychoactive drugs and other chemicals they also aside from lsd use things like electroshocks hypnosis sensory deprivation so like blindfolding people putting hoods on them earmuffs things like that yeah so terrifying isolation altogether which i feel like would make me go crazy yeah that's i've heard stories and i listen to a lot of true crime stuff and 
people who go in solitary confinement. Like, that oh. is, like, the first way to F someone up. Oh, geez. It's bad. That's scary. Yeah. Oh, it's so scary to think about this stuff. Like, verbal and sexual abuse was things that they used. Mm. Oh, I know. Um, other forms of torture, just in general. So as far as the timeline of kind of how this all developed, it was headed by Sidney Gottlieb, who was an American chemist and spy master. I don't Spy know master. how you get that title. <laughs> I want it's that pretty title. Epic. Yeah. One thing that we found out, which was kind of weird, was that he changed his name. Mm-hmm. He had a completely different name, which I don't know. Sketchy. Well, yeah, it's kind of sketchy. I wonder like, how why many do you not want to be you anymore. I mean, if you're a spy, though, you That's hear about true. spies changing their name. That's a really good point. Still, sketchy. Kind of weird. So the origin was that it was a continuation of the work begun by Nazis. Uh, both uh, German Nazis and Japanese Nazis in concentration camps on controlling human minds. The CIA secretly recruited Nazi torturers and experimenters to continue experimentation on thousands of subjects. Oh my gosh. So this was sanctioned in 1953, which again, really isn't that long ago. No, it isn't. Like, these people are still alive, some of them that went through this. Mm -hmm. And so, basically the goal was to develop mind control drugs to use on captives, specifically the Soviets, in response to enemy using these techniques on u.s prisoners in the korean war so mm-hmm. it's kind of like oh that worked on us let's turn the tables kinda. yeah so the justification would be like in some ways to protect america our government or cia mm-hmm. would want to research these tactics and although they could be you know destroying people's brains in the process w- without their consent yeah they... but in a way they were trying to destroy the right people's brains yeah. or the ones they wanted to yeah which is ugh. Not ethical. Uh, no. Makes me cringe. Yes. But it was interesting. They uh, were interested in using methods to manipulate foreign leaders, such as Fidel Castro. So, like, mm. they had very specific intentions for some of this. Um, they attempted to create the perfect truth drug for interrogation, um, specifically, again, for Soviet spies during the Cold War. So they were just trying to get information from people in whatever way they could, really. They were also trying to find drugs which would bring out deep confessions or wipe a subject's mind clean and program them as a robot agent they were oh literally God. trying to like isn't that like jason Bourne? i don't know if i haven't seen I those know. movies i haven't seen those in like 10 years but they like program i don't know sounds scary I, I know there's definitely movies about this where you basically like wipe all their memories everything about them and then they are under mind control oh my God. and you send them out to well and that's kind of what they wanted to do so they wanted to like wipe these people's minds send them back into their military to get information or manipulate or all kinds of stuff like you know that makes me happy now that like we're advancing technology so much where maybe we could just make cyborgs instead of just like <laughs> we screwing can, up uh, human beings robots and not humans <laughs> exactly it sounds like that's what they want yeah exactly um but documents suggest that the cia investigated chemical biological and radiological methods of mind control so really they tried everything they could think of the early cia efforts focused on lsd 25 so as you said it's also known as acid they also had sub projects of mk ultra so like little mini versions so one was sub project 54 and this was the navy's top secret perfect concussion program oh no yeah exactly it's supposed to use suboral frequency blasts to erase memory thankfully the project was never carried out but i'm sure they what does that mean yeah Yeah, they they basically screwed with people mushed up their brain a little we're like oh wait you can't do that like my imagination is like they put them next to like really big speakers and subwoofers and just like blast them until their brain melts like oh god that sounds like the worst yeah so they often experimented on subjects 
subjects without their knowledge or consent, which is a violation of the Nuremberg Code, which is a set of research ethics and principles for human experimentation. Um, you can maybe verify this came after all of MKUltra, right? This wasn't in effect already? The Nuremberg Code started in 1947. Oh, so and it was just in effect. Okay. So it says... The code was formulated in August of 1947 in Nuremberg, Germany, by American judges sitting in judgment of Nazi doctors accused of conducting murderous and torturous human experiments in concentration camps. Wow. Uh, experiments included administering LSD to mental patients, prisoners, drug addicts, and sex workers. Oh my gosh. Um, so people who couldn't fight back, basically, who didn't have... Yeah. Well, I'm sure they offered incentives too, right? So mm -hmm. if they're testing on people from jail, they're probably shortening their sentences or mm -hmm. giving them promises, either true or not true. And I could imagine for sex workers, they're interested in the money or maybe breaking free of their lifestyle or something mm -hmm. like that. So Well, and some of it, they might just be like, you know, putting it in prisoners' drinks and not telling them. Yeah. There were some recordings of heroin addicts who were bribed into taking LSD with the promise of getting more heroin. So, yeah, they're just, you know, continuing people's addictions, too, which isn't good. They also administered LSD to CIA employees, military personnel, doctors, and other government agents and members of the general public to study their reactions. So they were definitely doing it on a little bit of everyone. Yeah. Uh, in one case, they administered LSD to a mental patient for 174 days straight. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Isn't that just terrifying? That's like theft of oh that course. to me that, would that have seems, to shorten their life that seems worse than murder like stealing someone's mind I mean yeah. we don't know what type of mental patient they were like maybe it was just someone who was depressed and needed to be in a you know institution mm -hmm. for a little bit and then was gonna move on their merry way but no well, and if they're in a mental institution they're probably being told to take medication yeah. anyway so yeah. they just don't even know what's happening oh my god that's terrifying mm -hmm. that is the worst yeah they also did research at 80 institutions which included colleges and universities hospitals prisons and pharmaceutical companies mm -hmm. uh, the cia used these as a front organization uh, and so more than 150 research sub projects were funded by mk ultra using these wow. and in some cases they the universities and you know hospitals they, they didn't necessarily know what yeah. they were being told to do they yeah. were just kind of doing it and when the cia tells you to you probably just do it yeah you don't really question it too much government expect, orders yeah you just expect that they're you know doing something for the greater good yeah which in this case that's not what was happening <laughs> i mean it it sounds like that was possibly the cia's intentions but you don't realize that like how important scientific methods are mm -hmm. to creating data that's worthwhile rather than just like mm -hmm. throwing LSD into a garbage bag with a whole bunch of people and shaking it around and being <laughs> like, we're doing mind control. Like, Well, and I have to assume that they didn't realize this would have long-term effects. Like they didn't realize they were ruining people's lives, I hope. I mean, we can hope. You never know. There were beliefs that the CIA was paranoid at this time after losing its nuclear monopoly and for fear of communism. Some believed that a mole had penetrated the CIA at the highest level. So they were already convinced that people were watching them, that they, you know, everyone was backstabbing them, basically. Jeez. In the early 1950s, secret detention camps in Europe and East Asia, the CIA created to avoid criminal prosecution. So basically concentration camps. Oh my God. That were just not in the US. Which it was kind of crazy to read how much of this stuff happened 
happen in just like you know it, it feels more real when you see like oh this happened in houston texas or maryland yeah. or wherever because a lot of those were just places in the u.s yeah you wouldn't think anything of it yeah uh, and then in early 1950s, the CIA captured people suspected of being enemy agents and others deemed as expendable to undertake types of torture and human experimentation. Mm. And they uh, interrogated while being administered psychoactive drugs, electroshock, extreme temperature, and sensory isolation. You've got to wonder about electroshock. Like, mm-hmm. what? You're just, like, frying people's brains. Again, it just... Well, you're causing them physical pain, too. Yeah, yeah, I don't know too much about electroshock, but that just sounds, again, like the worst thing mm-hmm. on earth you could do to someone unassumingly. I mean, I could only imagine it's just a ball of lies, right? So they're tell- they're leading people in with different intentions, maybe mm-hmm. um, well, these gaslighting them. Yeah, people. yeah. I mean, it seems like there's quite the variety of there people <laughs> they're doing this to. Yeah. And they're just basically gaslighting people and manipulating them into whatever means necessary to just mm-hmm. basically cook their brain to see what happens exactly yeah, yeah. in 1954 they had operation midnight climax which <laughs> <laughs> the cia set up brothels to obtain men who would be too embarrassed to talk about the events and the brothels had one-way mirrors and the men were dosed with lsd and then filmed oh god yeah <laughs> i know oh, so ugh so cringy so those are the sex workers i guess that maybe are in on it or um, maybe they're just trying to make money yeah or i don't know if that are they undercover secret agents that well, are I'm sex assu- workers well the brothel is a friend so they just set up like essentially like a strip club and then the random men that wandered in yeah. were drugged yeah and then like oh this alcohol seems a little bit different than normal <laughs> it's a little fizzier than usual <laughs> <Yeah>. or something <laughs> so yeah and then i mean especially in the 50s i'm assuming that was kind of you know something you didn't talk about so you yeah. didn't say guess what happened at the strip club last night yeah it was well i mean brothels those aren't strip clubs those are yeah that's fair those are sex rooms i don't know the difference i mean so anyway i could imagine they wouldn't go home to the wife and be like funny story (laughs) wife (laughs) yeah i had some trippy sex today anyway Uh, others were given lsd and interrogated under bright lights while doctors took notes um subjects were told that their trips would be extended if they didn't reveal their secrets so basically you felt crazy like you felt probably awful and like you were losing your mind and you were told we're just gonna keep doing that to you until you tell us things yeah i so again back to i listen to a lot of true crime stuff and watch a lot of like forensic file type things Mm -hmm. and you always hear about false confessions and those people aren't drugged they're just maybe a little bit sleep deprived and emotionally traumatized Mm -hmm. imagine mixing in drugs or cooking their brain before like what is the truth? And that mm-hmm. I guess that's what's so frustrating about hearing any of the stuff about MK Ultra is like, what are you even thinking you're achieving when you're just manipulating anything you want to mm-hmm. happen and gaslighting and making people think that they're crazy or paying them off or manipulating them in any way? And it's not measurable. And it's all these people are just being mistreated mm-hmm. and they're just hoping to hear what they want to hear 
and it's funding just basically torturing people and it's not measurable and nothing is happening. Well, and when someone's being tortured, who knows if they're telling you the truth or if they're just trying to get you to stop torturing well, them exactly. anyway. So, like, it's not... It all means nothing. All they were doing was torturing people. Yep. And because of that, there was long-term debilitation and several deaths that occurred as a result of all of these experiments and torture that they were doing to innocent people. Ah. Um, a U.S. marshal was slipped LSD in a drink and had a bad trip and resulted in him holding the bar at gunpoint. Oh. And he was fired and only learned decades later that he was the subject of a test. Ah. So he probably was just told like, hey, you held up a bar at gunpoint and now you're fired. And he's like, oh, that was a weird thing I did. (laughs) Yeah. Or maybe he doesn't remember it. So can you imagine just like being, I don't know, 60 and being told, oh, by the way, you were hardcore tripping on LSD and that's why you lost your job 20 years ago. Nope. Yeah. So it's funny that you brought up you know, people dying or not knowing because a story, in fact, I would say one of the most famous stories out of MK Ultra that is common in um, just like pop culture references or what people might know about MK Ultra without knowing it was MK Ultra. I guess I'm jumping forward in time by saying right now on Netflix, there's a documentary that came out in 2017 called Wormwood. And it tells the story of Frank Olson. I haven't had the chance to watch this documentary, but I did find a short story about his experience. So hopefully this will get you guys interested and maybe get out there on Netflix to watch this documentary because it sounds like it's really good. In 1953, PhD biochemist Frank Olson was assigned to the Army's Chemical Corps Special Operations Division, or SOD, at Fort Derrick, Maryland. He attended a three-day working SOD CIA retreat in an isolated lodge in Western Maryland, where the head of MK Ultra, Dr. Sidney Gottlieb, was also present. Gottlieb laced a bottle of liquor with LSD and offered it to guests. While others soon recovered, Olson continued to experience anxiety and mental confusion for days after being dosed. Remember how I told you about people get different effects in mm-hmm. different ways? Well, And just a gentle reminder, don't take drinks from people you <laughs> don't know. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I guess he was one of those people who not only had a bad trip, kept having bad trips because his brain couldn't hang with the LSD. So anyway, the CIA moved him to New York City to see a doctor affiliated with the MKUltra program who believed he could help Olsen. Instead, Olsen went out the window of his 13-story hotel room, possibly voluntarily, and left... Oh my gosh! Yes, he left behind a wife and three children. Olsen's death was attributed to suicide. I did see that story a couple times in my research as well, and I think I read that he already had depression and anxiety or things along those lines that it like just As do a lot of people. (laughs) Very true, as do a lot of people. Uh, And so it just magnified those thoughts and effects and what was going on yeah so it this is one of the most famous stories and i would encourage everybody to check out wormwood and i plan to watch the full thing so i can get a grasp on it i think um the documentary is told from his family's perspective i think particularly his son and anyway so in 1953 they just it was in the news about this suicide and his family was notified about his suicide but everyone Mm. was always suspicious because i mean when your dad is like in the military but also associated with the cia you're probably always going to be suspicious if he's curiously died yeah that's that's creepy yeah so anyway that's frank olsen's story yikes yeah that's terrifying so sad Yep. Yeah, in 1955, so just a couple years after that, a document refers to the study of an assortment of mind-altering substances. So it's kind of a long list. 
uh, described as substances which promote illogical thinking and impulsiveness to the point where the recipient would be discredited in public. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Substances which increase the efficiency of perception. Materials which will cause the victim to age faster or slower in maturity. Materials which will promote the intoxicating effects of alcohol. Materials that produce the signs and symptoms of recognized diseases in a reversible way. Materials which will cause temporary or permanent brain damage and memory loss. Substances which will enhance the ability of individuals to withstand privation torture coercion during interrogation and so-called brainwashing materials and physical methods which will produce amnesia for events preceding and during their use like the um, men in black yeah mind eraser neuralizer yeah (laughs) um physical methods of producing shock and confusion over extended periods of time substances which produce physical disablement such as paralysis of legs acute anemia etc substances which will produce a chemical that can cause blisters that's mean yeah (laughs) that sounds rude Substances which alter personality structure in such a way the tendency of the recipient to become dependent on another person is enhanced. A material which will cause mental confusion of such a type the individual under its influence will find it difficult to maintain a fabrication under questioning. Substances which lower the ambition and general working efficiency of men when administered in detectable amounts. Substances which promote weakness and distortion of their eyesight or hearing, preferably without permanent effects. Not required, just preferred. Hmm. Uh, a knockout pill, which can be surreptitiously administered in drinks, food, cigarettes, as an aerosol, etc., which will be safe to use, provide a maximum of amnesia, and be suitable to use by agent types on an ad hoc basis. And lastly, a material which can be surreptitiously administered by the above routes and which in very small amounts will make it impossible for a person to perform physical activity. That's a terrifying list. Yes. I'm like trying to think of any benefits to any of those things in any scenario. I can't think of a benefit of blisters personally. (laughs) (laughs) This guy isn't going to be able to walk comfortably for weeks. (laughs) Oh, geez. The chemist who directed the project thought the drug could be used in covert operations. Originally, they tried taking it and documenting the findings. You can imagine why that wouldn't go well. (laughs) Later, they started giving it to people in quote, normal settings, without warning to see what would happen. Uh, Surprise acid trips became an occupational hazard at the CIA. (laughs) Someone received drugs in his morning coffee and became psychotic and ran across Washington, seeing a monster in every passing car. Ew. (laughs) Someone went into, oh, this is um, the, the story you said, someone who went into a deep depression and later fell 13 stories. So they say. So they say. Uh, People who volunteered appeared to be singled out for more extreme experiments. In one case, seven volunteers were given LSD for 77 consecutive days. Again, I don't know what it is, but something about that consecutive, like, mental theft Mm -hmm. freaks me out. That's like two months straight. Yeah, Yeah. where you're just completely... Like, you're not even part of this world anymore. Yeah. Like, you just stole two months of their life actively and probably the rest of it. Yeah. Inside of Have you ever heard of being perma-fried? I feel like that's what's going to happen. I feel like people. every single person that was a victim of this would well, be. Yeah. And there's something about the trauma ensued by being, like, 
abused by your government in that way will affect your mentality about your entire life for the rest of your life. Yeah. That's crazy. So one of the main stories I found that had the most context and details behind it was the story of Sally Hartman. This started happening in the mid-1950s when she was married to a CIA employee. And unbeknownst to her... Being married to this guy uh, basically ruined her life. Ruined her life in Ugh. so many ways because of this and MK Ultra. So Sally married her husband Jim in 1956. After being married for a little while, Sally suffered a miscarriage, and it had been her longtime dream to have children. But her husband Jim, despite earlier agreement, now had doubts about wanting a family at all. Their arguments about their pregnancy were greatly upsetting for Sally, but Jim had insisted that if she wanted a baby, that she would have to stay at home and not work at all. Rude. Yes. So she disagreed, telling her husband that she had not gone to college for four years only to be a housewife, which can understand. (laughs) And basically his point was that he was basically blaming her for the miscarriage because she was a working woman and that if she truly wanted to have a family and have children with him, she would settle down from her very, you know, successful career where... Douchebag. Yeah. it Yeah. He was a douche. So, Jim eventually graduated as a student from MIT and nearing the completion of his studies, the CIA recruited him. About a week before he was about to start work, he got called to meet his superiors, Gottlieb and Lashbrook. He had come home that evening very excited and anxious to begin his CIA training. Um, and it sounds like Sally was pretty supportive of this whole endeavor because he had She worked. must have been a saint. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, she was also successful. Um, she worked at the National Security Agency or the NSA oh, yeah. at Fort Meade. And she had had that job since before they got married. And she was in charge of a classified computer data storage project. Um, She threw herself into her work as a way of not dwelling on her miscarriage. So the interesting thing about both of these people was they both held jobs where they had to keep secrets about their jobs from each other. So because she worked in the NSA, she couldn't go home and be like, hey, honey, (laughs) here's all these secrets about this data collection system that we're using. And he couldn't be like, oh, hey, honey, work was great. Went to the CIA, blackmailed a whole bunch of people. and like, (laughs) what the government's doing. Exactly. So, I mean, that's already kind of a red flag in their marriage there. But anyway. I can uh, see why it would just pull them apart. Yeah. Um, And so as he started working um, with the CIA, he actually got invited by Gottlieb to come over to Gottlieb's farm. When they got to their house, uh, they met Gottlieb and his wife and his children and everything seemed to be all right from Sally's perspective. They sat down, they had a wonderful dinner and they had some wine. But after Sally had a glass full, she said she couldn't remember anything else about being at Gottlieb's house. Oh my gosh. Yes. She said, I drank socially. I never drank a lot, but on weekends I would have two or three drinks and that wasn't out of the question, but something happened that night, something really strange. Sally had no recollection of going home other than a vague image of asking Jim to stop the car once because I felt like I was going to be very sick, she recalled. I also remember having to urinate badly and thinking, my God, did one glass of wine make me feel like this? And then once she got home, she's like settled into bed, I think as anybody would after not feeling well. Yeah. And she said she had a whole bunch of nightmares that night. And so it sounds like, I mean, after from what we know, 
she was getting drugged without yeah. knowing it. I will say, I have crazier dreams after so much as a glass of wine. Yes. I can't imagine LSD dreams. Yep. Oh yep. my gosh. Mm-hmm. So the next morning after that instance and that dinner, uh, she went into work and she was exhausted. From that day forward, she found it near impossible to concentrate on anything and she began to experience episodes of lost time oh. or periods where she would not function normally or not be aware where she was or what she was doing. Um, at times, she could not recall how she traveled to and from work. Uh, one time, she was in a grocery store and forgot how she had even got there. That's terrifying. Yeah. After six weeks of this, um, the episodes became more frequent. At home one evening, she told Jim that she was concerned that she didn't always feel that she was in control of her actions or thoughts. Jim said he thought she was overworked and needed a break. So this guy who works for the CIA, uh, he's working with basically the head honcho of the CIA directly, mm-hmm. uh, is basically, sounds like he's using his wife to manipulate her into thinking, yeah, if you want to be a mom, then you're going to go crazy if you work Ugh. yourself to death and you're going to have miscarriages if you keep working. So it sounds like you should probably stop working. Ugh, that's <laughs> infuriating. Yes, it is. So, after weeks of complaining about the episodes, she remembers receiving electric shock treatment. What? Yes. She said, I know it sounds crazy. I have no idea where I was or how it happened, but I know that I did. (gasps) Yeah. One day, not long after the treatment, Sally went into work and became confused and hysterical for reasons unknown to her. She ran from her office, out of the building crossed an expansive grassy field and tried to climb an eight-foot security fence surrounding the area. NSA guards struggled to pull her from the fence. On the ground, she fought to get away, screaming at the guards, You don't understand. Let me go. Let me go. After that, Sally was hospitalized for a little over a month at her husband's insistence. Besides being assigned a psychiatrist, she received 14 electric shock <gasps> sessions as part of her treatment for diagnosed so she went schizophrenia. To a what, MK Ultra doctor now? Hmm. Cuz that's what you said about the other guy. He went to an yeah. MK Ultra connected doctor. Yep. Oh gosh. So, it's all connected. Yep. In February of 1957, Sally was still in Boston when she was informed she would be released soon. But first, she needed to undergo one more test. Mm -hmm. She was taken from her room to another room where she was shown what she recalls as cards similar to the Rorschach cards. Um, And Rorschach cards are the inkblot tests that you see in, like, movies. Yeah. Which I'm pretty sure have been proven to have, like, zero effect on anything. You know, I don't know about that, but... Yeah, I wonder. The technician showing her the cards had very intense eyes, Sally recalls. She had never seen him before at the hospital. After being shown a few cards, Sally thinks she blacked out, remembering nothing more until waking up about two days later in her room. She had an intravenous line and needle in her arm. A nurse came into the room and told her she hadn't eaten for two days. Sally's mother, who also recalled the incident because it occurred at the same week her daughter was to be discharged. She said Sally was discharged, walked through the main doors outside, and after standing out there for a few moments, turned around and went back inside and readmitted herself at her own request. Wow. So, just 
to wrap up that paragraph, basically it sounds like she was planning to get released because she was on the mend and then she met with some secret card yielding dude where after meeting with him, she again blacked out and was probably drugged again with whatever intravenous line that there was. And then instead of being discharged the week she was doing better, she got readmitted because they made her all cuckoo again by loading her up with drugs that she didn't even know about. Ugh, makes me so mad! A month later, Sally was discharged again and she went to her parents' house. Jim came by a few days before her release date and told her that the CIA had agreed to pay for his return to study at MIT for his PhD in chemistry. Sally wanted to return to work at the NSA, but discovered she had forgotten nearly everything she had learned while working there. She trained herself as a computer programmer while staying with her parents. Jim soon returned to Boston to resume his studies, and the couple rented a very nice apartment near the MIT campus. Over several months, Sally began to feel quite happy. She also felt her relationship with Jim had become better and closer. But within a year, things became tense again, and she told Jim she wanted to try to become pregnant again and to have a family. Jim did not share her feelings, and by the summer of 1960, Sally decided to leave Jim. Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> you go, girl. Yeah. <laughs> During this entire time, Sally was still experiencing episodes of lost time and depression. Sally wanted to reconcile with Jim, but he seemed pleased with them living apart. They saw each other a few times, but Sally can't remember anything about these dates. They decided to divorce within a few months of living apart. Uh, Sally ended up getting married again to someone else that she ended up working with, but that ended. It was kind of like a rebound marriage and nothing really came of it. And then she found some independence after that second divorce and in 1966 she decided to start her own company and within months of doing so she developed an international reputation for her highly creative approaches to the computer industry she had lost all contact with her first husband jim and no longer knew if he was still employed with the cia so to confirm as soon as she left him she stopped having crazy episodes and losing her mind uh, well, she, it sounds like she still had some like feelings effects. like she would like lose time or maybe missed chunks of time. But um, it wasn't as much. But it wasn't as much to the point where she could study and teach herself computer science and start a very successful business out of it. What year are we in? Do you know? 1966 wow. is when she That's started. crazy to think of computers in the 60s yeah. being like a big deal. Yeah. I mean, any computer back then was a big deal. Well, yeah. Um... On one or two occasions, she had fallen into a strange state, she said, like sleepwalking while she was awake. It sounds like she was just kind of delirious. Mm-hmm. And once, while on the West Coast traveling for work, she woke up in a hotel room, unsure of where she had been for the last 24 hours. Whoa. She recalled getting into the hotel elevator and there was a group of people already in it and someone nodded and said something and that was it. Later, Sally thought she remembered waking up in the room and finding someone standing there looking at her, telling her everything was going to be fine and not to worry about a thing. She said she thinks she remembers that the man looked Asian, but she doesn't remember anything more than that. Ugh. Yeah. That's terrifying. So it's kind of like, although she wasn't married to her husband anymore, 
he had done enough experimentation on her like that following. She, yes that she had history and they were probably trying to continue their research on her Ugh. without her realizing after the fact that is absolutely terrifying yes Later on, uh, she fell in love with one of her closest associates, a former investigative reporter. They were married in 1969, and two years later, Sally and her new husband, Fred, sold her company for a ton of money. All of Sally's hard work had paid off, and the couple was very happy with their life together. They started a small consulting firm that had also become quite successful. Months later, one of their accounts resulted in Sally being hired to oversee a large data system at the U.S. Congress. The work was stressful, and some of Sally's old symptoms began to reappear. She had trouble sleeping and had strange dreams. Um, At times, she found herself wondering what she had done or where she had been for the past few hours. Her doctor prescribed her tranquilizers, and she began to feel better. Jeez. Yeah. Fred had also taken a demanding job with the Congress, but the two remained married and happy together. Forward to 1977, Sally went to work at the Carter White House on a special project. Uh, One day while working in the White House, she picked up a copy of the Washington Post and read an article about a CIA project called MKUltra. Oh, no. The story mentions that a Massachusetts hospital that she was in was part of the MKUltra project. Ah! She went home that night and told Fred about the article and also told him Jim had interest in hypnotism and once tried to hypnotize her. She recounted that this was the first time that she told Fred about her seven-month hospitalization in Massachusetts and of her inexplicable recollections about her visits to Gottlieb's farm. In the next month, Fred read the full transcripts of the Project MKUltra congressional hearings. He made detailed notes and discovered that Gottlieb and Lashbrook were direct of the project. Fred asked Sally how her Massachusetts hospital bills were paid. She told Mm -hmm. him that she had no recollection of ever paying a bill. She recalls seeing one bill but had no idea what became of it. Fred asked if her parents might have paid the bills. She called them and they said that they haven't seen any bills or paid anything related to her illness. Fred asked Sally if she was in the hospital for the entire seven months or was released and readmitted at any time. Sally seemed to recall being released at times, going somewhere, but she couldn't recall where or when. He asked her if she traveled anywhere, and she said um, she seems to remember going on an airplane once, and other times she just struggled to recall anything. She tried to think harder, and she became overwhelmed with inexplicable sensations of whirling colors and flashes of light, LSD flashbacks. Sometimes she imagined she heard a voice in her head telling her, relax, just relax, everything is fine. Now relax. Ugh. Yes. So basically, over time, they absolutely confirmed that she was obviously a victim of MK Ultra, and it sounds like, and again, this story loops together everything that we've been saying about the fact that it sounds like her husband got involved in the CIA, was correlated with Gottlieb and the um, MK Ultra projects of mind control, and he wanted a stay-at-home wife who did whatever he wanted and basically tried to do some of those projects on her. Douchebag. Yes. And as we had already discussed, they picked people near to them, people that they knew and understood. That they could watch. That they could watch. And so it sounds like she was totally subjected to this and she is still feeling the effects of what was going on. Ugh. 
It's of note for me to mention, I was reading directly from the story, the title is The Strange Story of Sally Hartman. I found this article on truthout.org and it was written by H.P. Alborelli Jr. And so it sounds like he was working on writing a book about some, I think, just MK Ultra in general. And this is one of the stories that he came across when he reached out for if anybody had any specific relations to the MK Ultra project. Jeez. And he asked and received this story, which is so crazy. Do you know she's still alive? As of June of 2000, she was still alive. The author of the story said that he reached out to her again and she could recall even less of what happened to her. Oh, man. Wow. That's super interesting. Yeah. So it just goes to show there was nobody was off limits. And yeah. I feel like the worst part of MKUltra was that what they were doing was so unmeasurable and so... And had such lasting effects. Yes, that it's just like, ugh, not okay. It just was not okay. Mm. And so this woman could try again to go out there and be successful and have a career and start a family with someone, but she goes in and out of these bad trips and psychological breakdowns because people stole her sanity from her they basically stole large chunks of her life and yeah. you could argue ruined it i feel like every person has someone in their life or someone that they've known who's a notorious liar yeah and we all know the effects that these liars have on our lives we're like how could i even talk to you how could i understand what the truth is or if you know someone who gaslights which i've been using that term a lot and that basically just means someone who convinces you that you're crazy to convince you of what they're saying that either isn't true or whatever they're just trying to get their motive out of it by convincing you you're crazy and it sounds like this project was should be mk gaslight because <laughs> all they're doing to these people is convincing them that they're crazy or delusional or pinning drugging them on their mental breakdowns and their mental health and convincing them of other things. It's not mind control. It's just psychological manipulation that's unmeasurable because drugs have different effects on different people mm -hmm. and people's mental backgrounds are all different and their involvement with whoever was a part of MK Ultra is different. And so it's just such – there are so many outlying factors and variables in the project that – even if their intentions were to help America mind control possible enemies, they went about this so, so, so mm -hmm. wrong. And so many people had lasting effects. And it's just sad. Well, even the thought of doing this to your enemies is still awful. Yeah. Because just because you don't like someone or you have different thoughts and mentalities and beliefs doesn't mean you should ruin the rest of their life. Yep. It's just uh, crazy. Yeah. But tell me. Give us some hope. What what happened? <laughs> well, <laughs> how does MKUltra so, continue? I feel like we left off in about the 60s. Yep, yep. So jumping forward to 1962, the CIA and the Army developed a series of hallucinogens, which were thought to hold greater promise as a mind control weapon. This resulted in the withdrawal of support by many, and LSD research became less of a priority. So this wasn't totally on purpose. They were just changing scope a little. Um, but they ended up reducing the scope of the MKUltra project in 1960. 
64 and then further minimized it in 67 and recorded as halting the project in 1973. The CIA director Richard Helms ordered all MKUltra files to be destroyed and this was based on the widespread panic caused by Watergate. In 1975 it was first brought to public attention by the Church Committee of the U.S. Congress and Rockefeller Commission. They relied on sworn testimony of direct participants and a small number of undestroyed documents but again most of the documents were destroyed. In 1976 President Gerald Ford issued the first executive order on intelligence activities which among other things, prohibited experimentation with drugs on human subjects except with informed consent in writing and witnessed by disinterested parties of each human subject to say, yes, I verify that this person is by choice agreeing to this. Yeah. Interesting you say that about President Ford because to close out the Frank Olson story, so again, his experience started happening in 1953. Mm -hmm. Many years later in 1974, basically the Olson family sued the U.S. government. Good! And they received $750,000 from Congress and a personal apology from President Ford for what happened to Frank. That's great, but that is not enough money. Like, if you (laughs) think about the, especially if, like, he was the breadwinner of the family, that's, like, a couple years' salary. Yep. Like, that's not enough. Yep. Not that it should, well. A life isn't worth money. A life isn't worth a couple thousand, like, It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But the president apologized, which there's some part of I will of that, say, though, he wasn't the president when this started, but, like, it's still a nice gesture. Yeah. It's good to be acknowledged that... I mean, for... Yeah, If, if you true. think about the fact that your whole life you could have believed that your father committed suicide and mm-hmm. the president of the United States finally justified, like, yeah, we had some mingling to do with that, and yeah. it probably wasn't just a sad guy jumping out a window. Yeah. Because I can imagine you would grow up feeling like my dad didn't love me enough yeah. to stick around. Yep. And that would be really, really awful your yep. whole life. Yep. And so that would give some peace of mind to say, no, your father didn't choose this. Yep. We had some, uh, yeah, Hand they meddled. It. Yep. So you're, you're right. That is a nice gesture. <laughs> it's a nice but thought, but you know. Nothing could yeah. equal out what happened. Uh, In 1977, the Freedom of Information Act request uncovered a cache of 20,000 documents relating to the project, which led to a Senate hearing. Most of the documents were misfiled as financial documents, and that's why they didn't get destroyed. Mm. Uh, Sidney Gottlieb had retired two years prior, but was interviewed and claimed to not remember much about MKUltra. Ooh, Um, that makes me mad. Yeah, freaking right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so this douchebag spy man just claims he forgot about the LSD experiments they were doing on people at his farm. That's creepy. By well, the that way. yes, um, it's annoying because what if he's telling the truth and he was just dropping acid so much that throughout that That's time, true. He prob- where he <laughs> wasn't measuring anything anyway, he was just having a giant LSD party with a whole bunch of unassuming people. That's fair. We probably can't trust his memory. <laughs> <sighs> The CIA did acknowledge that these tests had little scientific rationale. The agents monitoring were not qualified scientific observers. And in 2001, some surviving documents were declassified. So I I know I read one. It wasn't super interesting. It was like one page that basically said, yes, we're using LSD. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And then in December of 2018, declassified documents included a doctor discussing work on six dogs made to run, turn, and stop via remote control and brain implants 
Whoa. They were making dogs into robots, basically. Oh, my God. As the owner of two dogs, that makes me want to cry. Yeah. Uh, MK Ultra researchers later dismissed LSD as too unpredictable. Ah, well, thanks. using it. Yeah, mm, mm, 20 years later. That's yep. so helpful. <laughs> they spent an estimate of $10 million or more. If you adjust that for inflation, it's $87.5 million spent by your tax dollars. Oh, my God. On ruining lives. <laughs> Some believe that this experimentation still continues. A former CIA employee believes that the claim of the project being abandoned was a cover story. Hmm. And this is really just the U.S. experiments. I didn't really cover anything related to what happened in Canada, but there was like a Canadian version of this going on, too. Mm-hmm. That's, that is that's crazy. all of my facts. Yeah. So if any of this sounds at all familiar to our listeners, it's probably... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, maybe you've done some LSD or whatever, but... Fair. No judgment. <laughs> if you chose to. <laughs> yes. If if But if you're wondering if this MK Ultra project or maybe some of these names sound familiar, it could be because you recognize some of the pop culture references. And I talked about Wormwood on Netflix, but there's also a few other things in modern day that you may not have realized. It's portrayed in several books and movies like the 1990 film Jacob's Ladder, oh. the 1997 conspiracy theory film, and the 2015 American Ultra, which I haven't heard of that one. That's pretty recent, so I'm I haven't heard curious. of those. I'm curious to watch some of these. Like, we, we don't know much about these, but uh-huh. I, I know I'm curious to learn more. Yeah, and then, as I mentioned before, it's also kind of thrown around some of these topics in the Jason Bourne books and movies. Mm, yeah. And then on TV, it was portrayed in the 1998 Canadian series mm. The Sleep Room. Those and, all have such creepy titles, yeah, just saying. Yeah. And then what everybody probably knows is lately Stranger Things came out. Do, 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 do. <laughs> and as we know from I believe it's season 1, Eleven, her mother was a MK Ultra test subject and if you remember anything about Eleven's mom, she basically was a mindless person yeah. sitting in a chair in a room staring at like static on a TV or something like that. So you might recognize some of the themes from those projects within Stranger Things. Also, Stephen King has a novel called Firestarter that's based on MK Ultra. Oh. And also, some of these topics and theories come out in Call of Duty Black Ops. Oh, wow. With like spies. So there's like and... little sprinkles of this everywhere. <laughs> yes. So if any, like, it's crazy because we're kind of talking about MK Ultra as if it's a conspiracy theory. And for both of us, maybe a year ago, it only was a conspiracy theory. But now we realize it's been declassified. It's been admitted that it's real. I mean, mm-hmm. the government can do these things and get away with it for a long time. And frankly, I mean, I, if you just think about business in general, we both have a job at a company and <laughs> if you think about the possibility that maybe mismanagement goes in the wrong hands and the wrong person who's disorganized and just has an idea gets to just run with it <laughs> way 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 too far it kind of sounds like mm-hmm. this where someone's like you know it'd be super cool if we just drugged a bunch of people to see if we could control them because of it and basically make them believe that they're crazy and people are like oh 
Oh yeah, let's you're in try charge. That. that sounds great, boss. E- exactly. <laughs> and then it could go this far without yeah. anything measurable, and people are just doing things, taking orders, afraid of people above them, and just letting it go way too far. Well, and who knows? Maybe it started out as like slightly more well intentioned, where it was like, "Hey, yeah. our people are being like mind controlled, and we want to proactively get in front of this, so that way we can protect ourselves." And then it probably evolved into like revenge like let's do it to them too and yeah it, it just escalates and then it became this gigantic project that it, it just got taken way too far and so it, it's impossible to know everything that went down or how it started but it, it definitely is interesting to learn about and I mean it's good to be a little bit skeptical like yes. <laughs> maybe don't yeah. fear everything but I guess you know have your your radar up and yeah I think it's always good to question things I yeah. don't I mean, it's like don't take it to an unhealthy level where you're constantly thinking about how the government is trying to mind control you. But maybe if someone asks you to do a test you're not comfortable with, just ask some questions first, you know. And again, I stand by don't take drinks from people you don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Just keep a healthy level of skepticism. Yep. But yeah, it's definitely been interesting to learn. I'm excited to learn more about our topics to come. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to learn more about other conspiracy theories that are more of a conspiracy. Yeah, <laughs> that aren't real, hopefully. Yeah, yeah hopefully, but Ooh, I guess we'll yeah. see. You can subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts to hear us again next week. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you have an interesting story you'd like to share with us to be featured on a future episode, email friendsfascinated at gmail.com. We can't wait to blow your mind with more curiosities next week. You've just listened to our first episode of Friends Fascinated. Thanks for listening.